When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up? Welcome back. Letterman Live. Andy Baxter, the other side of that screen. Spencer Holbrook here. Uh, Ohio State, Minnesota this weekend. Going to get into that. Going to get into a lot. Uh, Andy, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. There's a lot to talk about. I feel like there's news every day at this point with the Michigan situation. And there's still football to be played. Two games left for Ohio State, starting with Minnesota. But it's hard not to think about Michigan, right? Yeah, it's this week sucks. I'm not going to lie. Like, how do you how do you get people amped up for Minnesota? Because we still have to write about it. We still have to cover it. It's one of 12. You get 12 of these per year. Uh, and it's one of the 12. So we have to talk about it and write about it. But we know where everybody's focus is. We know where everyone's, uh, uh, you know, football bread is going to be buttered. And that's on November 25th up in Ann Arbor. So it is a weird, weird week. And I still... To this day, Andy, have never, you know, I've been doing this for this is my fifth season on the Ohio State beat. I've never figured out the balance when it comes to covering this team this week. It's hard. Yeah, it's tough because look, it's all of the marbles right now for November 25th. This is the way we felt last year going into the game was that whoever won was going to get the ticket to the college football playoff. Whoever lost wasn't. And Ohio State, quite frankly, just got super lucky last year with backing into the CFP with USC losing in the Pac-12 title game to Utah because it feels the same way this year. It feels like whoever wins that game is getting a spot in the Final Four, and whoever doesn't is going to be sitting on the outside looking in, most likely playing in the Orange Bowl. And right now everyone's projecting that to be Ohio State because Michigan's been the Big Ten favorite all year. Now, of course, Ohio State has to go in there. They're the higher-ranked team right now, according to the CFP rankings, and beat Michigan and Ann Arbor, and they certainly are capable of doing that. But it just their stakes are so high for this game that it's it's hard not to look ahead for both programs. And now they have to do so. Michigan has to do so, I guess. Well, first of all, Ohio State, I think, is going to be higher ranked next week. But is going to be a, probably a touchdown underdog. I haven't yeah. looked what the spread is right now. Um, I don't think it changed with the Harbaugh news um, that we're about to dive into because I know that's what people want to hear. Um yeah, I don't even think there's anything listed for Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, there is six, five and a half. So Michigan's favored by five and a half right now. That hasn't changed since the Harbaugh news came out. But Andy, let's start there, man. Like nobody wants to hear about anything else. Uh, gophers be darned, I guess, because we're going to talk uh, how this affects the game and how Jim Harbaugh now suspended officially uh, Michigan backing out of that pending court case with the Big Ten, kind of just conceding. Um, that Harbaugh's suspension was going to stand. So now he's not going to be there for the game. Uh, I saw the Michigan on three sites say he will be back for the Big Ten championship game. And I think the folks in Columbus are saying not so fast, my friend. Yeah, I mean, we still have to see. Uh, obviously, that result of that game is is definitely the thing that we're all waiting for, right? If Ohio State wins, of course, Michigan wouldn't be playing in that Big Ten championship game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing right now is how do you feel if you're an Ohio State fan? I mean, let us know in the comments because this is a really interesting situation. You know, you obviously want to beat Michigan in any way, in any you know form. But 
to beat them without Jim Harbaugh, of course, the people up north are going to say, well, this one's tainted. You know, we didn't have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. And of course, they'll have it both ways, right? If Michigan wins, they'll say, well, we did it without Jim Harbaugh. And that means we're they're twice as good as Ohio State. So I think that it's just a tough situation because if you're Ryan Day, the staff, this program, you'll take any win you can get against the team up north. But you certainly don't want any kind of excuses to be made from the other side. And I think that's the tough thing about this, because if you're an Ohio State fan, like it's pretty difficult because you want to beat them with full strength, you know, all their good players and their head coach. And you don't get that situation this time. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like you could make the argument last year that Ohio state was super shorthanded, even more shorthanded than Michigan will be without its head coach this year. And nobody put an asterisk on the Michigan win. So, you know, there's not going to be an asterisk on an Ohio state win. If they beat them without Jim Harbaugh, you know, last year, Ohio state, no Jackson Smith and Jigba. No Trayvon Henderson. Uh, no, I think Mayan Williams. Did he even play in that game? Uh, it was Chip Trainum. So, you know, like all of these these things, all these people that were missing um, and all of the, the injuries that Ohio State had last year, that wasn't an excuse. And so Ohio State didn't run from that loss. They kind of, uh, you know, they, they haven't talked about it, I don't think, as much as the 2021 loss because, you know, it's hard to talk about a loss. But uh, – I don't think there's going to be an asterisk beside an Ohio State win if the Buckeyes can get a win, but this is their own doing. And I want that to be made very clear. You know, injuries are part of football. That's what happens. But like when you're Michigan and you've kind of conceded now that you've done something to warrant a Jim Harbaugh suspension, this is your own doing. So, you know, I think that it's going to be quite the scene for Sharon Moore, quite the the stage for Sharon Moore, but also quite the stage for Ryan Day because there will not be any – there's no game in the next five years or in the last five years that will be more watched than that one next week uh, at noon. Yeah, an important distinction, too, for everyone watching. If, if you don't know already, like the NCAA investigation is still ongoing. The Big Ten, uh, according to the statement that at least Michigan put out, the Big Ten has closed or agreed to close its investigation right now. And it seems like it was kind of the deal. Hey, Jim Harbaugh will take the three game suspension, accept it. It's already one game in anyway. Um, and then the Big Ten will kind of rest its case for now, uh, you know, pending if there's any more information the NCAA gives it. I assume that that means the Big Ten, I guess, could pick it back up if they wanted to. But uh, it seems like for now it's the Big Ten handing the baton to the NCAA and kind of giving way to that investigation, which we all assume will take longer than the season is going to take for this year. So it looks like no more penalties for Michigan, at least for now, uh, until after the season, Spencer. I mean, that's my take on it, that my read of the situation. We know how these NCAA investigations go. It usually takes several weeks, months, sometimes years. I think in this case, we'll see something in the offseason, but I don't expect any more penalties going towards Michigan's way until the season's over. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it'll go to the end of the season. I think Michigan will still be hit very hard by the NCAA. The fact that the Big Ten is like, okay, go do your thing, NCAA, we're out. Um probably a good thing for Michigan to be honest because the last thing I think Michigan wanted to do is go into discovery um in this court case because then a lot of things get brought to light in the middle of a season and I I just don't think that's something that that Michigan would want um one thing that I did want to be talk about a little bit is Jim doesn't call plays so who cares uh that man has been to a Super Bowl he has coached in the college football playoff he has won Big Ten championships he has won big-time bowl games at Stanford. He has coached very good players. 
He has been in a lot of game situations that Sharon Moore may be put in next week in Columbus and maybe or in Ann Arbor and maybe this week in College Park. You don't know how that game's going to go uh, on the road the week before the game. Ohio State learned that almost the hard way last year. Like the situations that you have to manage now, if you're Sharon Moore, are are just different. And we're going to talk about this a lot next week. But like, I don't, I don't think that it's as small of a deal as maybe that comment means. I, I think it's a pretty big deal. If Jim Harbaugh's not going to be on the sidelines for Ohio State, Michigan. Well, in these big matchup games, like that's where the head coach really matters, at least in college football. Like, you know, these are times where you have to make huge decisions in situational football. Do you go for it on a certain fourth down? Uh, do you decide to, you know, like send out a certain formation, right? Last week, the whole thing was it was great by Sharon Moore to make the adjustment mid-game to switch into heavy running packages and attack that Penn State defense by running the football down their throat when they knew they were getting pressure from those linebackers, those defensive ends that were wreaking havoc in the beginning of that game. That was an adjustment that a head coach makes. Well, Sharon Moore did that as the interim head coach. Can he do that again in a matchup game? Like that's the question. That's what the head coach does in those situations. They make the on the fly adjustments. Not only do they just game plan during the week, which Jim Harbaugh still can do, they make those in game adjustments, uh, when to call the right timeout, how to manage the clock. Do you want to, you know, chew up clock and play possession and, like those are all certain things. Yeah, it's not plays, but you're still managing the game. And I think that's so important in a game that will probably be decided by, I don't know, three, six points. I mean, that's the way I see it. You got the two top defenses in terms of scoring defense in the country. I don't see either of them scoring more than 20 points. So it's going to be probably a close game. And in those games, that's when a head coach really matters. Yeah, how do you manage a four-minute offense compared to a two-minute offense? Two-minute offense is a lot easier. How do you do it? Do you go for two-for-ones? Uh, when you've never been in a situation where you're going to try to do a two-for-one when you get the ball to start the second half. Those are the kind of situations that matter with the head coach, that, that having somebody who's been there, uh, it does matter. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's it's probably good that, that they don't have Jim Harbaugh again for Maryland so they can get ready for that and, and try to practice some situations. Um, but it's obviously a huge deal. And this rivalry um, officially has a new chapter because whether Jim Harbaugh's back next year or not, we're not going to – completely uh talk about that or hash that out if if something does happen there we'll definitely talk about it on the letterman row youtube channel but um this is like ryan day against interim this is almost like you know brady hoke against uh luke fickle because like this is just not the same person that you're used to going against the rivalry is at a very high peak right now and one of the key figures, actually, I would say now that Urban Meyer's on the rivalry, the key figure of the rivalry will not be there for the rivalry. And I think that has as much to do with the storylines and just the the story of this incredible best rivalry in sport uh, chapter as anything, is that Jim Harbaugh just won't be there. It's not the, about the X's and O's. It's not about the scheme and, and how Shremore manages the game. It's just the fact that he's not there for the biggest game possibly in the history of this rivalry. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I saw Jenny Taff talking this week about like they want to have a camera inside the hotel room of wherever Jim Harbaugh is, wherever he'll be watching these games, because that's a story in itself. You know, like how do you go about I remember when uh, Kevin Stefanski was had COVID and couldn't coach in the playoff game for the Browns. It was all about like, where was he? How was he watching the game? You know, in that case, obviously wasn't suspended. You know, I, I, can you contribute in any way in that situation? Obviously, Jim Harbaugh can't contribute in any way this time. He's he's suspended, so he won't be able to be helping in any capacity. But it's just one of those things where it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's 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 honestly, 
in my lifetime, like I haven't seen something like this before. Um, you know, it's just it's something that we are still trying to figure out as it goes goes along in terms of how the NCAA will handle this, how we're going to view this once the punishment is handed down. And for Ohio State, you know, they've done a great job so far deflecting everything Michigan. Ryan Day really hasn't said much on the topic. The only time he really spoke out on it was when he was asked about uh, the situation that was brought up with Rutgers and Ohio State passing along allegedly uh, signals to Purdue ahead of the Big Ten championship game. He said that we didn't do anything wrong, uh, went through compliance, everything checked out. So there hasn't been much said from the Ohio State side from this. Um, not too surprised about that. But I am interested to see after the game and maybe after the season what is said by this program uh, because I do think that there's been a lot that's probably been held back. If if Ohio State wins and beats Michigan, do we get a – I'd like to know where Jim Harbaugh is right now. I'm just asking. You're, you're going you're gonna to get a lot. You're, you're going to get, get a lot. You're going to get something for sure. I mean, I, look, I, I think that Ryan Day picks his spots. That's one of the spots that I certainly think he would take up if they if they win that game. I mean, talk about emotion. Spot. Yeah. I mean, look, that's the most emotional you could possibly be on the road, a game that you are supposed to win. You haven't two years in a row, including getting embarrassed at home last year, losing in Columbus for the first time since 2000. I mean, I, I would expect everything to come out. Uh, if they do win that game and, you know, talk your talk, I guess, but you got to win the game first. And, and, and that's honestly a toss up for both programs right now. I would agree with that as we, we can kind of talk about this and also transition into Minnesota, because I, I do think this is actually, this question is actually pretty pertinent to Minnesota. Do you think Ryan day has been holding his cards close to his chest or will we really see some different things offensively in the game? Uh, hummus hero, love the name. Good big hummus guy. Um, don't eat a lot of it, but I like it when I get it. Uh, I think Ryan Day is going to let some things hang out offensively this week because you don't you want to keep some wrinkles and some wrinkles off of the wrinkles, but you got to show the wrinkles to get to the second wrinkles first, right? And so, like you always talk about whether you show some things the day of the the big game or the week before the big game. Ryan Day has shown from time to time. He's not afraid to sprinkle those things in. You look at all the, of the uh, wrinkles that they put in for the Purdue game that you know that they're going to go back to at some point. The wrinkles for the, you know, the, uh, the Maryland game even where they were doing a few different things. They did some wrinkles um, earlier in the year before the, the, uh, the Notre Dame game against Western Kentucky and Youngstown State and then built off of those for the Notre Dame game. And, and you got to put things on film to, to make defenses adjust and do things. So, you know, I think it is something to watch for this week against Minnesota um, that maybe they open it up a little bit offensively, get Kyle McCord comfortable with a few different things that they want to do against Michigan and then roll them out with even more extensive wrinkles off of those for the Michigan game. Uh, Kyle McCord talked about getting more comfortable in the offense. I wrote about it at letterfromthenroad.com on Thursday. He talked about getting more comfortable with the offense, getting more uh, precise with his timing routes, with, with his receivers and with Kate Stover, the tight end. I think you could see that a little bit this week heading into the Michigan game before Kyle McCord comes off the field when I, I believe that they'll have a big lead. Well, how about last week against Michigan State where they run Marvin Harrison Jr. on an end around for his first career rushing touchdown? I mean, I know he's had a couple carries in his career before, but that's something that they also put on film. They're moving him around everywhere as a receiver. He's in the slot. He's on the outside. Well, now you have him as a ball carrier too. 
in the red zone. That's something that, you know, Michigan and even Minnesota this week is going to have to watch out for. I mean, that's the most dynamic player arguably in college football right now. So, and then the two back set that we saw that we've seen at times this year. I mean, they've done a little bit with chip train as like a lead blocker, but we saw it a little bit at Purdue. And then we saw it again against Michigan state with having Xavier Johnson, chip Trainum, and those two running backs that we saw it at Purdue with down Hayden as well. And Xavier Johnson, and they like to use both of them. As we know, Xavier Johnson is also a wide receiver. We saw it work out for them pretty well against Michigan State, running it first with Xavier out of that formation and then later throwing to him kind of as a like leaking out running back on a somewhat of a wheel route, 31-yard catch because that's a Xavier Johnson against a linebacker there. So we're, we're seeing things that they've been leaking out and, as you said, like kind of teasing all season. Um, another big one was the quarterback package for Devin Brown, and I think that's going to be – so important if they have Devin Brown available for the Michigan game. I'm just not sure he will be available. I mean, like if you're Ohio State, you have to hope he is because I think that's a great weapon to have in the red zone. This Michigan defense is like one of the best red zone defenses. I know we haven't seen a ton of red zone defense from them because they've been so good at keeping people out of the red zone. We saw how they locked down against Penn State. Uh, they were pretty, pretty hard to get by until pretty much the end of the game where they had, you know, Penn State had its garbage time touchdown just like it had against Ohio State so all that stuff is going to come into play uh, and as you said we've already seen some of it yeah and I just think that it's really interesting like the things that they can do off of the things that they can do off of the things that they did if that makes any sense you have to go back and listen to that again but I hope that makes sense because like You've seen the end of the uh, split backs and they hand it to Chip Trainum or they hand it to Xavier Johnson with Chip Trainum as the lead blocker. Well, this, like you said, this week they leak Chip Trainum or uh, Xavier Johnson out of the backfield and throw it to him instead after they fake the handoff to him as a play action, but it still goes to the same guy. How about you sneak a, a screen in or a, a slant in behind that? And while everybody's going to, to Xavier Johnson, you, you sneak a slant in behind that. You can do things on the backside of that. Uh, when the defense is looking one way, you can go the other way. There are a lot of things that I think they are setting up for right now. And they weren't probably as willing to do those things with a young Kyle McCord and a, and a, a green Kyle McCord, I guess. But the more that he gets comfortable, he looked really comfortable on Saturday. Even even though it was Michigan State, the comfort level, the, the calmness to him, I, I just thought he looked like a different quarterback. And I think he's starting to turn a corner. Famous last words, but – if you can get him more comfortable even this week, then you really feel good about your chances with your offense going up to Ann Arbor with those receivers against that secondary. Well, yeah, and how important was it to get back Kate Stover? I mean, I've written about that this week on LettermanRow.com. It's just we talk about all the time, Marvin Harrison Jr., how is he important to this offense? Well, of course he is, but what about Kate Stover? I mean, this player has been so integral to what Kyle McCord has done this year, the way he's been able to – be a just security blanket over the middle of the field. He's honestly just someone that time and time again, Kyle McCord can count on in the middle of the field. He's had 34 receptions on 40 targets this year. That's the highest reception percentage of any of the main receivers for this Ohio State team. He's got five contested catches, which is second most on the team. Of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. is first on that list. Cade Stover is so important to this offense. Getting him back last week against Michigan State is so critical for this offense going forward, not only against Minnesota this week, but of course against Michigan. And there were some missed opportunities Kate Stover had last year in the game. People always remember the back corner of the end zone dropped a touchdown there. I know he wants that one back. Well, a big reason why he returned was to beat Michigan. They're going to have him this time around. 
And uh, I think that that just can't be understated, his value for this team. Nobody wants to win over Michigan more than Kate Stover. Not even Ryan Day wants to win over Michigan as much as Kate Stover. I would be confident in saying that. Uh, Kate and Tommy, I think together, you put that power together, and it would just like explode because of how much they want to beat Michigan. Those guys are Ohio guys. They have not really um, had the success that they expected, you know, they, they had never – Ohio State had not lost – had won, I think, eight straight or nine straight over Michigan when those guys committed to Ohio State. Now look at this. They're key members of the last two teams, and the last two teams have come up short. So, yeah, I those two guys in particular, I would say, and Cade for sure because he's such a big part of the offense. And Tommy's obviously the quarterback of the defense, but, you know, the, the shortcomings of this team against Michigan in the last two years have come on the offensive side. And I think that's pretty personal to Cade Stover. Yeah, I mean – you could say there were shortcomings on the defense too. I mean, the way yeah, but- in 2021 pushed around for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, you know, probably was more on the offense, but you know, you could argue that the collapse too that happened in the second half, the rushing defense, the the missed tackle uh, on the little hitch route that turned into a touchdown, the, the the breakdowns in the secondary that we saw after that. So, I think there's been so much that's happened, and uh, we can go into some special team stuff because what well, the faint punt that was messed up last year that shouldn't have been a fake punt that was a fake punt you know everything that has happened uh with special teams this year of course brought up the question this week to Parker Fleming you know i think it was Doug uh Doug Larry Maurice that asked it about like you know like how do you account for a potential special teams miscue in a game like this where there's been issues all year in that department and this is going to be a close game and Parker Fleming said look i i yeah that's on me like i've got to focus on that we got to take that in think about it internalize it and you you know you kind of gather that that's probably gonna be some bulletin board material for them going forward but yeah all three phases of the game there have been issues the last couple of years against Michigan and uh, you have to hope that in the tune-up this week against Minnesota they play pretty clean in all three phases that's why I think and back to this hardball thing like that's why I think it's so important like uh somebody on Twitter I think it was John Bacon from the Michigan side said that Michigan Ohio State has always been a all hands on deck game. You have to be both sides have to be as as pristine as possible in that game. And Ohio State took care of all the little things for so many years. And in 2021, they didn't take care of the little things by way of just the defense getting mauled over. In 2022, they didn't take care of the little things, special teams mistakes, a couple penalties, the the headbutt uh that everybody remembers. You know, uh like you said a drop pass in the end zone like you have to be all hands on deck. Special teams has to be good. The coaching staff has to be good. The defense has to be offense, everything. And not having a coach like that is important, but also not being like your best on special teams is important. I thought Parker Fleming, um, and to his credit, I will give him a lot of credit for coming out and talking to us in the media, knowing what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to get grilled. And so, you know, I've talked to Parker a lot since he got hired. Uh, he's, He's a, a really nice guy, um, I, you know, and I will give him a ton of credit for being the man out there answering all of those tough special teams questions. That was not an easy thing to do, but also he, he makes $500,000 a year. That's public record. So, like, he has to answer when the unit is not doing well. And I thought it was pretty important that he did answer those questions the, before the Michigan game. That way, if there's a clean slate against Michigan and they go out there and they execute a special teams play and they win a game, hey, good job, Parker. You know, you, you got it done at the right time. And, you know, you've always said, Andy, the last couple of weeks, the best thing that you can do as a special teams coach is, is for people not to know your name. And so, yeah. 
You know, yeah. it's it's better if they just don't know who you are. So I thought it was a lot of credit to Parker Fleming for coming out and talking to us. And like you said, there's a lot of bulletin board material now for this team after, uh, you know, he was grilled by the media uh, to an extent on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's just holding, you know, everyone accountable. That's, that's part of our job, too. And, and I think that, you know, he's got a chance to respond. And, you know, if they win against Michigan and, uh, you know, there's no special teams errors, I'd assume that they make him available along with everyone else on that next Tuesday or whatever. Uh, that's probably what will happen, you know, and deservedly so. You know, that's the way it works. So they got an opportunity to right some wrongs. That's on the biggest stage possible. Um, and I think that you you got to be clean in all three phases. Kyle McCourt can't turn the ball over in that game. You have the special teams, can't have any blunders, penalties, uh, any potential fakes you're going to run have to go off seamlessly. I mean, remember in the Georgia game, not only was there miss, the missed field goal, which, you know, honestly, that was a tough kick to make. Um but it's definitely an eyesore looking back. But there was also the fake punt that was ran that was called back that would have worked. So there's been so much of that. Uh, if you're clean on that, clean on turnovers, and defensively you continue to not give up big plays, I mean, those are the three big things that come to mind for me looking at that game ahead. Um, I know that's what we're doing all show, but that's what this this really is this week. So I think, at least for us, not for the team, of course, but I think when you're looking at this, it's got to be clean football. And you have a chance to do that for really the second week in a row for the most part. They, they were pretty clean against Michigan State. I thought, well, you got to make it a habit again against Minnesota. That way you build some real momentum going into the game. The offense probably played its cleanest game against Michigan State. Trying to do that against Minnesota might be a little bit taller of a task. Minnesota, good defense, uh, decent defense. I know uh, whew, Purdue, man, you give up 49 to Purdue, and I've got questions, a lot of questions. Um and that's a banged up team. So Ohio State should be able to to iron some things out, get those wrinkles out of the uh, of the offense, and and really start to to cook a little bit, as the kids would say. Um, and then defensively, it's all about just keeping the momentum. Like, don't go out there and give up like twenty points, twenty one points. I guess that's where we can get in, Andy. Since we kind of have to at this point. Uh, can't only talk about the Michigan game. We go keys to the game. Obviously, it's be clean right ahead of. Michigan. I won't take all of them, but I think defensively, it's just, I'm going to take, I'll take the first one this time. Keep doing what you're doing defensively. Like don't let there be any slippage. Make sure that you go into the Michigan game riding as high as you possibly can. And I think that if you can hold Minnesota to, you know, three, six, 10, even like 13, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. I'm going to say stay healthy. I mean, that's the name of the game this week is get out of there as soon as possible, as healthy as possible. And we saw last week against Michigan State, the second half, a little bit of a snoozer, but some good action for some players that hadn't gotten snaps before. We saw Calvin Simpson hunt. Uh, we saw Jahad Carter get back in, which is good for the safety depth of this team. Uh, we saw Lincoln Keenholz make his debut. Jelani Thurman had a great catch and trucking a Michigan State defender, and then saying he got a first down on his next catch that he didn't actually get. So there were good moments, but bottom line, there was not much action in terms of scoring in the second half. Don't be alarmed if you see that again this time around because if Ohio State has the first half they want to have against Minnesota, you could have another kind of slow second half. It's senior day, expects to get some guys in that maybe don't usually get some action. Um, but don't be alarmed if the scoring doesn't go off the rails in the second half. Ohio State wants to get out of this game healthy, and that's the most important thing along with the W. 
Yeah, yeah, and and get the other guys that are not healthy but are going to play to get them back up to speed. I think that fits into the health thing as well, but get them back up to speed, right? You want you want these guys all playing fast, playing physical, playing hard. Um, it did look like Emeka Buka needed a game to get back up to speed when he played against Rutgers, um, and he looked better last week despite not really having the production that, that he would have wanted, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, like a Josh Proctor, who Ryan Day said is going to be back, like a Tommy Eichenberg, who I I would expect to see. I, I wouldn't expect him to sit out on senior day. He was begging to play last week. Um, you know, had somebody tell me that that he wanted to play last week and and just they told him no. So I mean, they're doing they're doing the smart things, they're doing the right things. But like you said, stay healthy also means getting guys back into the flow of things without putting them in harm's way. And I think that's a really important thing. Um, another key to the game, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna go to the offensive side. I'm gonna go with Kyle McCord. I think Kyle McCord needs to play just another great game. Like the last two games, Rutgers turns the ball over once. But he's over 70% completions. I know it was a lot of dink and dunk, but that's what Rutgers was giving him. He took what Rutgers gave him. Michigan State, he took what Michigan State gave him, and that was in the way of touchdowns and a lot of yards passing. And he just took what Michigan State gave him. It wasn't like he was forcing throws and he just made incredible throws. He did make some really good throws, but that's what Michigan State was allowing him to do, so he did it. And, you know, he's been over 70% completions the last two games. He only had one in his career before that. I think it was – Either Western, I think it was Western Michigan. He was over 70%. And he didn't have another game over 70% in Big Ten play. The last two, he's been over 70%. And last week against Michigan State, he was at 77%. It's the highest mark of his career. He's got to replicate that against Minnesota. Not a great pass defense, especially as banged up as they are. Be up over 70% again. Get your take care of your business. Get your job done. Uh, you know, be able to put the the uh, the ball cap on in the third quarter when you're standing on the sideline and uh get on to the game. Yeah, we've seen him get in those grooves before where he just he's on, he's in it. And, and, you know, he said you can kind of feel it when you're in that zone. And we certainly saw that last Saturday. He was really just, as you would say, cooking. Uh, he also completed 11 of his straight uh, 11 of his first passes against Rutgers as well. You know, he actually broke the school record for most consecutive completions. So when he gets going, he is hard to stop. And that throw that you highlighted this week to Kate Stover, the back shoulder throw where he threw Kate open, which, you know, reminded us of the throw he made to Emeka Ibuka against Notre Dame on that final drive on third and 19. Again, he's throwing his receiver open between two defensive backs. I think those are the kinds of throws that really separate common cord right now. You just need to see it all packaged together nicely and, and a nice like little package. And we saw that against Michigan State, but you got to see that more consistently because he's going to need all those throws together against Michigan in the regular season finale. Um, I guess I'd go next to this rushing offense. I think you need to continue to stack these performances. I think we've seen some real progress with this offensive line. I thought they did a great job against Michigan State in all facets, keeping Colin McCord upright. He took zero sacks in that game. And then also the rushing you know, performance was great in the first half. Uh, 63 rushing yards for Travion Henderson in that first half. Of course, they they played around with the offensive line in the second half, uh, so that kind of affected maybe the rushing performance there. But Xavier Johnson had a nice chunk run in, in the third quarter as well. So can the rushing offense continue to build momentum, and can they continue to improve in pass protection too are two things I'm looking for because this offensive line 
we're talking about it less, which is a good thing, Spencer. It's a, it, yeah. you know, I think that's not, it's just like special teams, right? The less you talk about it, the better it's it's going for those guys. And I think that you know we were talking about so offensive line every week on this show for the first half of the year at least. And the fact that we're not talking about it as much means good things for the five up front right now. Andy, uh, I did not write about the offensive line this week. I did, <laughs> but oh. uh, you're right. You're right. I mean, look, I guess we can talk about it, right? That's the one wrinkle. Um, I don't think we're going to really see it this week. Maybe we will in the second half, though. I don't know. But Matt Jones did play 10 snaps at center, uh, replaced Carson Hinsman, who has made progress this year, but has not made quite as much progress as, you know, Josh Simmons, even Donovan Jackson, who had a rough start to the year. Um, and then Josh Fryer has been pretty solid as well as, as Matt Jones this year. So Carson Hinsman didn't, you know, he was subbed out for that action. Ryan Day said this week they're still happy with the five they have right now, but they're always evaluating. Um, you get the sense maybe that was kind of just to hold Carson accountable a little bit, maybe say, hey, we can do this, uh, maybe be prepared if they did need to make a change. But that was an interesting wrinkle that we did see. I thought it was really interesting because it's something that Ohio State can turn to if it needs to. If it starts to struggle in Michigan – you know, I think I think was it last year we saw Enoch Bamahi go in there against Michigan. He got CJ Stroud killed, but uh, he went in there and they tried something. Uh, so it's something that that you can go to if you need it with Matt Jones because next week, Chris Jenkins, who's banged up right now, I'm, I'm interested to see if he plays this week. Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant are really, really good, like really good. That interior of that Michigan offensive defensive line is good. And you're going to have to be the, at your best. And Carson Hinsman is going to have to take a big step forward even in the next eight, nine days, eight or nine days, if he's going to be ready for those guys. He's going to have to be at his absolute best. Andy, I'm not going to lie to you. I try to be at my best every day. I usually start it with breakfast. And right now – if you go to HelloFresh.com slash Letterman Free and use the code Letterman Free, you get free breakfast for life. That's one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. So every time you get a box, they send you a, a, a breakfast item. That is free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Letterman Free or with, with the code Letterman Free. Uh, the holidays are right around the corner. HelloFresh can take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right at your door, save you tons of time. The holiday season can be hectic. That's where HelloFresh's 15-minute meals come in. These quick fixes help you get wholesome meals on the table in less time than it takes to get delivery. I hate delivery. I'm not going to lie. I really do. Delivery takes forever. It's no fun. Your food's always like a little soggy when you get it because it's been in like a steamer box. Or you can just cook up a 15-minute meal with HelloFresh uh, and use that promo code LettermanFree at HelloFresh.com slash LettermanFree and you get free breakfast for life. Do you like breakfast, man? I know that answer. It's my favorite meal of the day. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you can use that promo code Letterman Free right now. Get free breakfast for life with HelloFresh. I had HelloFresh. Uh, I have HelloFresh. It is so nice. It's so convenient. Nice meals. My wife and I love them. Uh, and now we've started to expand off of those. Uh, you know, from the recipes you get, you can expand them for yourself too. It's it's great. I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, what I cannot recommend enough as well is go to the game on Saturday. If you can, go to Senior Day. Um, not an ad for Ohio State Athletics, but, I mean, if they 
They, we're not going to have them pay us. But uh, go to Ohio State Senior Day. Make sure that that place is full. These seniors deserve it. I think the Kate Stovers and the Tommy Eikenbergs and the Josh Proctors and the Matt Joneses, like those guys, you know, Patrick Gerd, your guy uh, that you wrote a great story about last week, those guys have sacrificed a lot for the program and have done a lot for the program. Uh, Ryan Day's first full, full senior class, um, whether that's with 2018 or 2019, 2020, all these guys have been with Ryan Day for a long time now. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And I think one, that's my last key to the game, Andy, is twofold. Make sure your seniors go out well. So, like, all your seniors get in there, get, get some action, uh, get to do what they want to do, and that's play on play on the field at the horseshoe one last time. And then shore up your depth chart. And by that, I mean, as a key to the game, make sure you know who's ready for the Michigan game. If Hero Canoe has looked good against Wisconsin and Rutgers, but you don't know if he's ready for the Michigan game, you need to find out. If C.J. Hicks is a guy that you're trying to work into the fold as a wrinkle against Michigan, you need to find out if he's ready. If Carnell Tate is going to be ready for the Michigan game, he needs to look like it this week. And so you've got to figure out, because that is such a different game, you got to figure out who is ready for that game this week. Because you can't just put them out there and, and wonder if they're ready. You have to know. Yeah, I can tell you that Carnell Tate's ready. <laughs> That's the one I do know, I feel like. But yeah. you're right. I mean, the other guys you got to see more of, um, certainly the ones you mentioned. I agree. Hero Canoe, you know, that defensive line rotation is getting bigger and bigger as the season goes on. Probably will shrink a little bit for the Michigan games because you're playing your best guys. But you're right. You got to figure out who's ready for the moment, who can consistently deliver. You got an opportunity probably in the second half against Minnesota, just as you had an opportunity against Michigan State in the second half. Those are all good things to mention and to point out. Um, this is going to be a, an interesting game. I, I really do expect it to follow a similar script as last week's game. A lot of that depends on how Ohio State does in terms of finishing drives. They've been great the last two weeks in the red zone, converting those trips into touchdowns. That was something they really struggled at beginning of the season, middle of the season. It's just been of late. They've been better in the red zone. They need to keep that up or else maybe this is closer than we all think it will be by halftime. Um, that's a, that's a big part of this team that that was a strong suit for this team under Ryan Day previous to this year. It's something they struggled at for most of this year, but they've got clicking now. So can they get off the field on third down on defense and can they score touchdowns in the red zone? And I think that's just the recipe to get out of here quickly, you know, have a 30 plus point lead at halftime. And then, you know, as you said, that gives you the liberty to get the seniors in, get them their moments, and get some of those young guys in that you want to see more of to make sure, hey, yeah, they can play next week at Michigan. And not just can they play at Michigan, but are they ready for the bowl practices? Are they ready for the practice the week of the Big Ten Championship game? Are they ready for that month in the winter that's not winter workouts but is bowl practice where we've seen so many guys take a jump? Carson Hinsman would not be the starting center right now without the month of bowl practice that he had. I am confident in saying that. He had such a good month of practice that they had to, they had no choice but to try him out there because he was that good in bowl practice. Justin Fry's talked about it a lot. Um, so, you know, that's important for some of these young guys. You know, you go out there and you're Noah Rogers. You go out there and you score a touchdown uh, in the Minnesota game. That's going to springboard you into that bowl practice, make you feel pretty good about yourself going into that. And then you start to build off of that for next year when Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka potentially and, and Julian Fleming potentially, Kate Stover potentially, those guys all gone. And, and then you got to fill in a role that all starts in bowl practice, which also starts here this week against Minnesota. And that's assuming that they get a big lead. Yeah. Another thing to note too, is that 
just because a player walks on Saturday for senior day doesn't mean they're necessarily leaving, um, you know, with the COVID waiver for a lot of these guys still, and just the way college football works with red shirts, it's not a guarantee that they are gone. You know, we've seen people walk before and then return. I think Josh Proctor walked last year and then returned for a sixth season. So that is totally possible. So if you see a guy walking, don't be like, okay, they're done. Um, it's possible for them to return. Brian Hartline was talking this week. We just don't, you know, he was saying, we, we just don't want a situation where they don't walk and then they leave. And uh, that's like the nightmare situation, just from like a sentiment, you know, like, you know, if you're, if you're sentimental about the moment, you want them to have that as a senior, you know, and if you do it twice, you do it twice. So just something to watch out for. If you're watching the game, be like, Oh, I didn't think he'd walk. It doesn't mean they're gone necessarily. Yeah. Like I think Josh Proctor might've even walked in 2021. <laughs> third time walking. Yeah. First time actually leaving third time walking. Uh, Ohio State will be happy to have him back for sure. Uh, Julian Fleming is one that I'll be interested in. Even if he walks, he like you said, he could definitely come back. Um, Ohio State would gladly have him back. But it's just interesting. Like some of those guys with big time decisions to make who are seniors, but with the COVID year can come back. It's just that weird thing. And like, if you see a senior that's not walking, that's going to perk up all of our ears a little bit. Like, Hey, Maybe this guy's thinking about a, a comeback, you know, like like Josh Fryer is a fourth year guy. There's no way. Well, I wouldn't expect him to be gone after this year. So, like, you know, it's it's senior day, but it's not really senior day. So it's it's just a it's a weird thing we got going on in college football right now. Will Tristan Jebbia walk eighth year? <laughs> I don't I don't think if he's back for an eighth year, it's as a grad assistant. I know. Basically I know. already is right now. He's done after this year. I, I'm just joking around. Like Tommy Eichberg actually does have eligibility, though. He could return. Uh, I'm interested to see that, you know, linebacker value in the NFL draft is, is uh, you know, just shifted over the last few years, somewhere running backs. Uh, obviously, still some go in the first round. That's not really where he's projected right now. Um, but, you know, he could probably go in somewhere like day two, maybe day three. Um, I'd be curious to see if he came back, you know, Maybe it depends on what happens November 25th. So we'll see. Yeah, November 25th, man. We are so close. We're just so close. Uh, what young guys you want to see, Andy, this week? Yeah, um, I, I think Hero Canoe, as you mentioned, is someone that's really coming on recently. I want to see him. Uh, I think we forget that Taiwan Malone is also young. Um, he's still a couple years into his college football career, and I'd like to see him play more. I'm kind of curious to see how they round out that D-line rotation. He's one of those guys that's in the mix, especially if Mike Hall doesn't play. You know, he only played two series against Michigan State. There was no update from Ryan Day this week about his status. That makes you think that maybe something happened. Um, so, yeah, Ty Hamilton probably start there, but maybe Taiwan Malone would get in. Uh, from the wide receiver standpoint, we've seen a lot of Carnell Tate. I continue to expect us to see more of him. What about Brandon Innes? I thought that touchdown he had against Purdue was electric. You know, we talked a lot about those two in tandem, Carnell and Brandon. I'd like to see more Brandon Innes, uh, see him get involved. And then uh, Jelani Thurman. I mean, I understand that maybe his blocking isn't to where it needs to be, where he's on the field, uh, more with that first team. But I think his receiving ability is undoubtedly something you got to watch out for. And I'm just curious to see if he gets a little bit more run this week. Yeah. yeah. See if he uh, signals another first down. <laughs> yeah. Which was just hilarious, man. Uh, I'm going to go Caden McDonald. 
I'd love to see more of him because in when Michigan brings seven offensive linemen in, Ohio State might need to bring Katie McDonald in as just a massive body. Um, they've done it before this year. He played a couple snaps a few weeks ago against a heavy package. And just don't be surprised if you see him out there against Michigan. Is he ready for that? He's going to need to prove he's ready for that against Minnesota before they put him out there against Michigan. So that's one that I'm watching for. Uh, I agree with the Brandon Innes stuff. I think that's really interesting. Um, I think I think if Brandon Innes showed up in December or January like Carnell Tate did, he would on a, he would be where Carnell is too, like as far as like part of the rotation. So that's my opinion. That's one man's opinion, man. But uh, yeah, I think he's just a little behind because of that. But I'm still very intrigued because. Like there's a reality, and I don't. I know Ohio State fans don't want me to talk about this, but like there's a reality where Brandon Ennis plays a lot at the end of December. So, like, is he ready for that? I'd like to find out against Minnesota first. You just talking about if they don't make the CFP, or you like? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd be like a key factor in the college football playoff game. I mean, you never know. As you mentioned, some guys make that jump in the bull prep, and then all of a sudden you're seeing them. I mean, Sonny Styles played legit snaps in the CFP that took everyone by surprise. Yeah. Um, he was out there at the beginning of that game, that first defensive series, and he probably would have played a healthy number of snaps if Darnell Washington hadn't gotten hurt. So yeah. that was something that surprised everyone. And maybe that's the case for one of these guys that just jumps out in bull prep. And you're like, well, we haven't seen a ton of them. Probably won't see them. And then you do because we don't get to watch those practices um, aside from a few little sneak peeks during the bowl week. But, who knows? Maybe Brandon Ennis is returning punts in that game. You know, that's something we talked about before. Jaden Ballard seems to be now the punt returner since Emeka Buka suffered his injury. But, you know, maybe Brandon Ennis beats him out for that. Maybe he has a punt return in, in a CFP game. So I think there's a lot of things at play uh, for all those guys. And then I'm going to take the last one. Lincoln. <laughs> Uh, I haven't done this all year. I'm just going to say it now. My bold prediction for tomorrow is Lincoln Keenholz having two touchdowns. So make sure you go check out why. Two total touchdowns or two passing touchdowns? Two. To- I don't know. Two touchdowns. Okay. That's, you know, he can run. That's the thing. Like, Run, Lincoln, run. Uh, I, I think this is the Lincoln game, man. So get Lincoln in there. See what he can do. Show everybody what he can do. Does Jebbia get action? Mm-mm. Not senior day. No, no, no. Uh, I think he's hurt. Is he not? We haven't no seen him warm down. up. No kneel down snap. Little, we haven't uh, seen him warm up that much. Is is he just yeah. like? Has he packed? Well, he was warming up last week um, with Devin Brown. Seemingly, probably not available. Actually, last week. Uh, you know, I, I mean, that that's the real big storyline. Like, no jokes aside, like, I'll be watching before the game. What does Devin Brown look like? I mean, he fell down in warm-ups, and, and Ryan Day kind of joked about it. Like, he's got to survive warm-ups. Uh, if they can get him healthy, or at least healthy enough to play against Michigan, and you talk about equating numbers in the red zone, um, that's why they do that with the quarterback run. And I think that's super valuable. Um if, is he going to be available, though? That's that's a big question. So that part of the quarterback equation, yes, it's helping Lincoln Keenholz get some availability uh, in terms of snap. You know, maybe we didn't see 
Lincoln if Devin Brown was healthy against Michigan State. But ultimately, you want 33 available for those packages in the red zone against Michigan. And if Keenholes looks good enough, maybe you want Keenholes in there for those packages against Michigan. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never yeah. know. It's Again, it's all hands on deck for the Michigan game. And whatever you need, you have to do. Uh, so, yeah. who knows? Um, I, I'm excited to watch Lincoln, though, uh, on Saturday. Because if he can get in the game again, those are valuable reps. Ryan Day talked about every rep, even for those young guys in a blowout, being gradable reps. And that's why you see it's still so competitive out there uh, when the twos and the threes are in. So, it's, it's important to, you know, go back and look at those, uh, you know. And and see where Lincoln was good, where he wasn't. Ryan Day said he got his uh, he he got his first uh, ripping on Saturday night when he messed up a player, didn't find somebody on the third down. There was a wide open Carnell Tate, and he uh, went to the end zone instead. So, you know, those are teaching moments. If Lincoln can show that he's better, uh, af- you know, after the first teaching moment than he was before that, I think that'd be a big step for him. Yeah, you got to throw it around with him. We we talked about that this week on one of our videos. Like when Kyle McCord was in for relief of CJ Stroud, they kept things pretty vanilla. Uh, we saw Lincoln throw three passes, but his last two drives were really just, hey, turn around, hand the ball off, let's get out of here. Well, hey, you've got Aaron Nolan coming in next year, and he's a pretty good quarterback too. And you probably, you know, you could have a situation where Devin Brown returns. I don't know what's going to happen. Kyle McCord might return. Who knows? But the bottom line is you got to figure out if your guy can do something with the snaps that he does have. And I'd like to see Ohio State take advantage of those snaps and not just have him handing off the ball. Like, let him throw. Let him sling it. See what he has. Get something on tape so he can actually work on it in the offseason and not just be looking at practice film. Like, I think that's a huge thing for this offense. Yes, stay healthy. But, you know, within reason, let these guys play and, and let them, you know, work within the offense. Yeah, and that goes for a lot of guys. You know, uh, Darren Gregory wants to see Noah Rogers because he's from North Carolina. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of Evan Pryor, another North Carolina guy. So, you know, Joshua Mickens on the defensive side got a little bit of snap, got a few snaps last week. Uh, you know, another young guy. We could go through that entire class. You know, Luke Montgomery, if he can get in there. At tackle, take some reps because he you, he could play a pivotal role in the offensive line next year. There's a lot of guys that we just haven't seen enough of because this team wasn't, you know, just uh, destroying teams at the beginning of the year like they like they wanted to be. So we haven't seen a lot of that. Especially, you know, another reason is one of those non-conference games was a three-point game against Notre Dame instead of a 50-point game against Bowling Green. So you just didn't see what you wanted to see from these young guys. So now. Uh, you know, and Rutgers is better. Maryland was a little bit more of a game than you expected. Uh, Indiana was more of a game than you expected. So those games that you go through the schedule say, okay, we can get freshmen in there, here, young guys in here. We just haven't seen it. So, you know, Purdue was a road game. You only take 77 on the on the road there. So these are the games that you have to get up early on so you can get those young guys in the game. And I think that's important this week especially. Yeah, it's funny. Like usually that's happening early in the season. And then, like, these later season games are, you know, maybe a little bit closer. Like, last year's Maryland game was the tune-up to the Michigan game, and that that ended up being a scare for Ohio State. And they were in no position to empty out the bench there. Uh, this time around, shouldn't be necessarily a scare. I know people weren't expecting that Maryland game to be close, but, you know, there were more storylines in line for something like that to happen on the road uh, against the veteran quarterback, uh, not as banged up with the Maryland team as we're seeing with Minnesota this week. So, I do think they're in position to be able to do what we're saying. 
you know, let the guys play, get the seniors in, get the young guys in. Hey, how about what if what if Maryland just does the most insane thing and plays Michigan close this week? Like, I know Maryland is just bottomed out after the five and zero start, but like, I'm just saying, it it's would not be pretty interesting. I mean, you've said some pretty crazy things, so it's not the craziest thing that you've uh, almost fantasized about uh, with the college football season. But hey, you know. Uh, last year, before Maryland played Ohio State, they lost twenty-three to ten to a terrible Wisconsin team. They lost thirty to nothing to a ter- to a a good Penn State team, but not a great Penn State team. And then they almost beat Ohio State. So Maryland is no stranger to taking advantage of the week before Ohio State Michigan, uh, even if they're bad. So you know, yeah, all these Big Ten Michigan right now. I mean. They're all trying to take a swing at this program that they, you know, are actively angry at. So I think that there's always that question. Uh, of course, that would make the game a lot more interesting. I mean, it's already interesting. It would just be another wrinkle to it. I mean, then the tiebreaker would be back in play. Um, it would just be a weird kind of situation. Um, well, and think about this. I guess it wouldn't be. I guess maybe it wouldn't be then. It would just be a head-to-head at that point, right? Yeah. So yeah, Penn State would be the only one that, yeah, Penn State would have had to beat Michigan, but still, it would just be weird having this game. I mean, you would assume they're going to be undefeated. It's eleven zero, but yeah, you never know. I mean, that's the thing. Ohio State never knows. I mean, Tim mentioned that. Tim May mentioned that on our, our video this week. Like, there's been times where a team like Minnesota's coming in. I mean, we talked about it all last week. Michigan State, right? 1998. No one wants to talk about it, but like things like that happen. Nothing's a given, man. You got to win your games. Can't bring that up, man. Can't bring yeah. that up. You got to win your games. You got to win your games. You got to you got to get the job done. And uh, I think that's why you got to go. You know, if you're supporting the team as you're a fan, that's the reason to get to every game. You know, because you just never know. Ohio State fans in the comments, tell Andy you can't bring ninety eight up. Not a lot. <laughs> uh, but like, do you know who Maryland's offense coordinator is? Yeah, Josh yes. Gaddis. Yeah. Just some food for thought. It's Josh Gaddis, who's going to be the offensive coordinator against the Michigan head coach, who is actually the offensive coordinator this week, Yeah, who replaced Josh Gaddis. So just a, just a little food for thought there. Uh, are you predicting Maryland to win? Um, as we get into the slate, uh, I don't really want to talk about last week, but I will because I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of honor and integrity. Um you know, people around the Big Ten might could learn a thing or two about integrity from this show here um, and honor and playing within the rules. Uh, I was two and three last week. I own two and three. I wear two and three. I don't wear it like with honor, but I wear it. I own it. So, you know, we'll, we'll be better. We'll be better. Uh, I got five this week, though. What do you got? Who do you think? Who are you watching? Yeah, I mean, of course, we watch in the Maryland-Michigan game. Uh, that's at 12, so we can actually watch that before Ohio State kicks off at 4 p.m. in the shoe. Uh, I'll be trying to watch a little bit of Louisville-Miami, uh, just catch what I can from the score of that game, just to see if Louisville locks up its bid in the ACC title game. It does so with a win, so I think that's key. I uh, just did not expect Jeff Brom to have the first year that he's had at Louisville there. I mean, that's pretty crazy that they're technically like still in contention for the CFP. I mean, they would need some things to happen, but um, yeah, that that's wild to me. I'd probably also want to check out 
uh, Utah, Arizona, just because I love the Pac-12 this year. And Arizona, low-key, is having a great uh, end to the season. They've kind of risen up. They're number 17 now in the rankings. And they've knocked off some Pac-12 teams that, you know, I mean, recently uh, USC. Um, and, and it's just been kind of a surprise season for them, in my opinion. Um, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Sam Hartman. I know we, we don't really talk about him anymore. Heisman bid was short-lived, and uh, that Notre Dame team has been pretty disappointing. But his game against Wake Forest, you know, going going and playing his old team, of course, that, that's kind of a storyline, I guess. Um, but, yeah, and then Kansas State, Kansas probably. I mean, I, oh, and oh, actually, the Beavs playing Washington. Is Washington going to take a loss? That, that schedule they have is gauntlet. And, uh, I mean, that affects Ohio State. You know, they need some teams. If you're Ohio State, obviously you want to beat Michigan. You want to win out, get to the CFP that way. But if you want an insurance policy, some teams need to drop some games, and that's including Washington. Oregon State has the chance to be the perfect remedy. So let's get – okay, here's the dream, dream scenario here. Washington loses this week to Oregon State. Oregon loses next week to Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State beats Washington again in the Pac-12 championship game. Yep. Oregon State's a two-loss champion, doesn't go to the playoff. Texas loses to Iowa State this week, gets a second loss. Big 12's eliminated. Then both Big 12, Pac-12 are eliminated. And then it's Ohio State with its win over Notre Dame to swing around and its win over Penn State to swing around. And it's close loss to Michigan. Let's just hyperbole this thing. Or, uh, you know, hypothetically. Hypothesize, not hyperbole. I'm an idiot. Uh, this thing. And Ohio State can take Notre Dame and Penn State against Georgia's terrible non-conference slate or Alabama's loss to, you know. So there's there's a chance. The best yeah. remedy, though, Andy, would be to beat Michigan. Yeah, I mean, that just makes everything easier if you're an Ohio State fan looking at this because you got to worry about Alabama, too. A one-loss Alabama team that could very well find its way into this playoff. Um, I would not be surprised at all if that's the case. They look better than they did at this point last year. And, uh, yeah, so that that's something to watch out for as well. So you got to beat Michigan, basically. I'm going to go ahead and tell people that's a Delaware Blue Hens helmet behind you. I don't think people need to know that that you're rocking the, the Michigan helmet back there on the shelf. Matchup, uh, dude. It's the, uh, it's the game. You gotta have I'll it. State, I'll I'll State won't even be happy you spent money on that thing. I've got five games for you. I don't know if you know this, but I'm gonna give five picks. They're probably not gonna be right. Uh, the week, the one week I went five and zero. Oh. I did go five and zero oh one week. I should have definitely framed that because I have not gone five and zero oh again. I went four and one one week and told people I went five and zero, oh, but I really went four and one. Um, BYU plus twenty four and a half against Oklahoma. That game is in Provo, Oklahoma. Um, do you have something to play for? Sure. Dylan Gabriel's home road splits, not great. Um, I think BYU is pretty bad, but I'll take the Cougars plus the 24 and a half. That's a big number on the road. Uh, Northwestern plus three against Purdue. David Braun, good coach. Purdue, bad team. I'll take Northwestern. Get the bowl eligibility, Northwestern. Good job on you. Uh, Rice, minus two and a half against Charlotte. That is some sicko stuff. Um but I'm going to go ahead and ride with the JT Daniels and Rice. Uh, I just think they're a better team. So 
take Rice over Charlotte. Biff Pogey talking about Jim Harbaugh too much this week, not talking enough about trying to beat Rice. Um, North Carolina plus seven and a half against Clemson. I don't believe in Clemson, especially against a good quarterback. I don't believe in the North Carolina defense either. And North Carolina, like, never beats Clemson. As somebody who cares a lot about Carolina basketball and loosely follows North Carolina football just because it's it gets me to basketball season, um, they don't beat Clemson very often. But I think they can keep it within the seven and a half this week, even though that's – yeah, I, I that game I think is at Clemson. Yeah, seven and a half for Carolina. I think Drake May is too good. Uh, and then I took I took Oklahoma State last week in the worst bet I've ever made. I actually bet it with my own American currency as well. Uh, truth be told, um, minus two and a half against UCF last week. They got beat forty five to three. It's the worst bet I've ever made in my life, Andy. That was such a letdown after you know beating Oklahoma and, and then just absolutely laying an egg. Um, yeah, man, that's not a good one. It's, a, it's more. It's more than a bad beat. It's just a. It's just a beat. It's a bad bet, not a bad beat. So this <laughs> yeah. week, do you know what I'm doing? The same well that gave me food poisoning. I'm putting the bucket back in. Oklahoma State minus six and a half against Houston. Houston stinks, and Dana Holgerson's coaching for his life. I don't think it really matters. Oklahoma State's going to get back to its winning ways, clinch a spot in the Big Twelve title game. Oklahoma State minus the six and a half against Houston because I think Houston stinks. Uh, I'm going to, before we get out of here, Andy, I'm going to give a special shout out. Darren Gregory, both of you guys do an amazing job. Very knowledgeable. By far my favorite Buckeyes game by game preview. Look, man, that's not why we do it, but we do appreciate when you guys tell us that. We appreciate all of the comments. We appreciate the questions and the criticisms, to be honest. We, we like to send back and forth. Uh, if you say something mean on YouTube, I promise it makes it to us because we look at the comments, we send it to each other, and then we kind of, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit, see if it's fair criticism or not. But we love all the people who watch this show at Letterman Live, the program, the Letterman Row YouTube channel, the Letterman Lounge Recruiting Podcast with Matt Parker. Go check that out. Andy, closing thoughts before we get out of here. Excited for some football. It's hard to believe last game in the shoe of the season, but man, it's, it's been a good ride so far. I was talking to you about this earlier this year. This schedule has really shaped up to have some iconic moments for this Ohio State team. You have a team that really everything's lining up for a special end to a year, a national championship run, but you've got to beat Michigan, of course. you got to beat Minnesota first. And if you do, you got to win the Big Ten championship after that. So there's a lot still left to be seen. But man, I've loved the way this schedule has kind of shook out with the way things are going with starting on the road, playing at Notre Dame, getting a game in our Ann Arbor. You have a game at Wisconsin, just like so many iconic stadiums. And I think that it's just been a special season so far. I'm excited to cover it the rest of the way, regardless of what happens. Uh, I know this is a couple minutes longer than we normally do. Andy, uh, we can't do one next week on Thursday because of Thanksgiving. I'm not going to get on here all turkeyed up and be talking football. I'm probably going to be taking a fat nap on Thursday night, but what I will do is in the YouTube comments, whatever you think we should be live, uh, we'll try to cater to some people. I'm thinking Friday at 10 a.m. before Andy and I leave to go to Ann Arbor. If that works for everybody, we'd love to see you here. If it doesn't, it, you can still catch the video afterward. I'm thinking preliminary Friday at 10 a.m. Until then, we'll be in the horseshoe on Saturday for Ohio State, Minnesota. We've got bold predictions coming on Friday. And next week, we've got all the coverage you could possibly want at LettermanRow.com in the lead up to Ohio State, Michigan, the game in Ann Arbor, maybe the greatest uh, clash in the history of the rivalry. We'll see what happens. We'll be there at lettermanrow.com. We'll be in Ann Arbor next week. First, we got to get through Minnesota. The Buckeyes do too. 
Andy and I will be there on Saturday with Tim May and Matt Parker. See you guys in the horseshoe on Saturday. We'll see you guys in Ann Arbor next Saturday. See you guys at the live stream, Letterman Live, next Friday.